And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Wow. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. Welcome back. If you're a regular listener of Spin Rate, we're so happy to have you. The Blue Jays won a series, taking two out of three from the Detroit Tigers on the road here on Sunday night when we record this, and it's a joyous day. There's a lot to take take from this series. It's a uh, it's very interesting. The Blue Jays are in an interesting, perplexing, but interesting place. All is not yet lost. I don't think to bring the sober light of day the 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 keen eye for the truth we have to turn our eye to a true journalist the co-host of spin rate caitlin mcgrath caitlin how are you i'm good i'm expecting you to speak truth to power here or power to truth or what is it that i don't know truth Uh, to power i think yeah you will speak truth to power and you will uh you will comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable I'm just thinking about like journalistic cliches. Mm. That's what we're here to do. We talk about baseball, afflict the the comfortable of which we are. But anyway, Caitlin, how are you? You're you're well. You're 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 home. You're not trapped on a subway platform or hoofing it across uh, the fine city of Toronto. No, my feet have fully healed from that hike, and I took it easy this weekend. Took a couple days off, um, so that was nice. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of rested and recharged a little bit for my own stretch run coming up. It's going to be exciting. Hopefully it's very exciting. I, 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 I not, not as a, in a way of punishing you or in like any kind of masochistic way. I hope that you're really busy for the next month or so because that means good things for, uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays, for the people who listen to this show and support them. And uh, for you, writing about stuff that's interesting instead of being like, yeah, they're really playing out the string here. A, uh, I hope that there's many exciting things and be like, this is the first time Team X has done this in however many years. The Blue Jays with a triumphant comeback. Those are fun things to write about. Uh, You can read all the things that Caitlin writes for The Athletic. If you subscribe, if you go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, there's a big deal going on right now. They'll give you a tidy deal, a nice little discount for your one-year subscription to The Athletic, where you can read all of the latest and greatest as it comes across from this incredible team of journalists and writers and content creators who under the umbrella of The Athletic. So go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe. And if this is your first time listening to this show, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate having you aboard. I would love it if you went to your podcast catcher of choice and subscribe to the show. 
You can like, give us a like or a rating or a review if, if your podcast app allows. And I think that would be swell. So with that out of the way, we can talk about baseball this week. Speaking of baseball this weekend, I did not lay low. I made my triumphant return to the, to the men's league baseball fields. And it was glorious. Let me tell you, playing baseball, it's pretty great. Frequent guest of this show, Jonah Bierenbaum and I reunited our battery behind the plate. I was for seven long innings. And I had myself a great time. I threw a guy out trying to steal base and I got two knocks. I cannot complain about that. And it's just great to be uh, back there on the field playing baseball. So shout out. Thanks to the, uh, all the homies in the TMBL for having me back for the one day, one time only after I drove to Cambridge for a little kid's soccer. And then I got to drive to the city of Toronto and shout out to the city of Toronto. Scarlet road is uh, where the ball diamond is. Since last I was there, they did a bunch of work. Nice separated bike lanes. Everything's nice and clear, clean, safe place to ride. Big uh, enthusiastic thumbs up for me. It's a much safer stretch of that, of the city and that the West end than it ever was before. So I approve. I have no idea what you're talking about. I rarely venture out to the West End. Scarlet Road is an interesting stretch of the city. It runs between like north of Dundas up to like, uh, how far does it go up to Wilson? Maybe not that, maybe Dixon. Um, But there's a lot of people who live over there. And um, that stretch, Scarlet Road, where the ball diamond is at Smythe Park, is uh, a lot of, um, uh, you know, ravine lands, but also like a, like an artificial like aqueduct where there's lots of mm-hmm. stuff that runs just west of Jane. Um, so there's lots of like weird running water and uh, the cool ravine and down where the park is. I've been playing ball there for a long time now. And uh, there's a golf course over there too. But yeah, lots of people live there. So to make that stretch of the road where a lot of people cycle, especially when they go, want to go down and get into the park, uh, to make it safer for the cyclists and for everybody, a good idea. Thumbs up. Thumbs up for me. And thumbs up to the West End, uh, Caitlin, with your... East End supremacy needs to end. <laughs> West End, best end. I feel like but, I feel like the East End doesn't get the respect. It everyone always says the West End's the best end, and everyone just ignores the East End. So that's why I, a native East Ender, has to continuously pump up the East End because everyone just overlooks it. That's that's why I do it. I do it because... There are some great parks. There are some great parks and ravines in the East End. That No lies can be told about that. And East York is... Uh, it's like a whole thing mm-hmm. over there. East York baseball. That's what I. That's where I played baseball as a kid. Fair. Fair enough. Sun, uh, sun, uh, sunlight Park. That was one of the names we considered for this podcast, actually. Uh, was Which was Stun- Sunlight? I, Stan Wadlow? There is... the So the... The one of the first baseball diamonds in Toronto was mm. where was it? And then it, and they moved it to the island, but then it was it's like right at like just east of Queen and Parliament. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll sh- there's a there's a plaque on the mm-hmm. street on Queen Street where they so it used to be called Sunlight Park because there was like a sunlight like a soap factory next door, and they played like semi pro and whatever professional semi quasi professional baseball or there was a, there was a, a baseball stand there where people would go and watch. Right in the East End. And I, that, I was digging around and I was like trying to think of a name for this show. And uh, I was talking about, uh, I had some sunlight sonatas or some light, some sort of, some sort of like tie into that history. And it didn't go anywhere because it was, uh, in hindsight, especially awful. But uh, <laughs> interesting though, uh, go look for it. I think there's like a pizza pizza, imagine that, like outside of where this, this plaque is on the street on, on Queen. 
um, where you can see this uh, this historical monument to the to the days of yore, when there were places to work in downtown Toronto that weren't digital digital uh, uh, publishing jobs that disappeared after four months. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about the Blue Jays. Okay, let's talk talk about beautiful Comerica Park. Is that what it's still called? We're in, in Detroit, yeah. where the Blue Jays play. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. The Blue Jays ended up winning two games, two one-run games, too. Mm-hmm. Who are these Toronto Blue Jays? Break them up. Some great starting pitching, some a complete utter and a uh, complete and utter lack of timely hitting, and yet they still managed. They still conspired to win a couple games. Um, some controversy here on Sunday. I don't know if you saw this, the whole, the nonsense with the, with the tarp and the rain delay. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays got some great starting pitching performances. Maybe let's start there. I know that that's probably freshest in your mind. Uh, Caitlin, you were relaying some comments post game. Um, Jose Barrios went out and had just an absolutely stellar start after a couple rough ones. Um, did he go seven innings, allowed one run, struck out 11? Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right? Yep. Didn't walk anybody? Uh, he might have had one walk, maybe. Did he? Maybe have- later. I know that in the early yeah. parts of the in the early parts of the game, there was there was much much ado made about the fact that he had thrown just eight balls in like the first four innings um, oh, until no, he the, didn't. He didn't have a walk. He didn't have a walk. Okay, I didn't think so, but okay. it's important for that we are accurate. Yes, but yeah, uh, just a. Tra- tra- Stellar start. Uh, the run he gave up was unearned after uh, Bobichet uh, made an error uh, on a ball hit to him. And then you could probably kind of give maybe something of an error on the ball that got past uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. down the first baseline that may have been foul. Robbie Grossman, the batter, really seemed to think that it was foul. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, okay. But nonetheless, Barrios pitched really well. I know you had some quotes um, that, you know, that you were relaying from the post game situation. Uh, what do you think, Caitlin, about what, uh, Blue Jays fans, what we all saw from Jose Barrios here on Sunday? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of back to what we were used to seeing when he first arrived in Toronto, where you were just seeing him kind of like pound the strike zone, which is kind of like the picture that he has been for most of his career. Like he throws a lot of strikes. And so like, you know, two sort of interesting things was one, he sort of realized or recognized that um, these teams that have seen him a lot know he's going to throw strikes. So they're quite aggressive with him. So, you know, he's just mixing it up a little bit or sort of anticipating them being aggressive so he can counter better with that. And the other thing was, and they pointed this out on the, the post game, um, you know, uh, post game show with uh, Joe Siddle and Ricky Romero and Hazel was hosting this weekend. And they noticed that Brios did the, uh, tweaked his delivery where he used to bring his glove up above his head in his delivery or in his wind up or whatever. Um, and then this outing, he was only bringing it up to sort of like the belt chest level and then going into his, uh, going into his wind up and his pitching motion. And so, you know, two observations. One, he kind of said that he's dabbled with that before. Like, it doesn't sound like it was a complete, um, you know, altering of anything that he's ever done before. Um, it sounded like he's kind of gone back and forth between putting the glove above his head and then not. But another thing that was like, um, kind of interesting was that we saw the exact same sort of fix applied to Ross Stripling a little bit earlier this year. Obviously, it was um, from the mind of Pete Walker and um, in terms of Barrios's 
why he did it. It sounds like it also was um, from the mind of Pete Walker and, you know, suggesting, why don't we try this? Why don't we try to simplify your delivery a little bit? Maybe a little easier for burritos because, and we didn't get too deeply into it. Like this is probably a conversation if I wanted to know more about the process that I would ask him. But like, um, you know, with Ross Stripling, I think that it was more of a process because I think he had been doing his delivery a particular way for a while. Whereas Brios, the sounds of it seems like he kind of has, like I said, dabbled with these different deliveries before. And so he just went to his more simple one um, to simplify everything. So um, yeah, that was sort of the takeaway. And I mean, obviously it worked. It looked like it worked. Um, And it uh, definitely was probably reassuring, not that anyone should have been worried about the trade because there's still like a whole season's worth of starts that he's going to make. And it really would have been fine if he had a few rough ones um, early on because he's a human and sometimes pitchers struggle and especially pitchers who um, live in the zone a lot sometimes get hit around a little bit and then they make an adjustment. And like he for his career is, you know, a slightly above average pitcher for the last five or six years or whatever it's been. And he seems to have gone back to being that guy. So, um, but I, at the same time, obviously when the Blue Jays are struggling to score so much, it's nice when you have a starter that just goes out and pitches pretty brilliantly and keeps the score very close and very low so that his, you know, struggling offense has a chance to win. And that's exactly what happened today. They don't seem like the kind of offense that is, is capable of, uh, of scoring more than two. So if you can keep the opposition to one, <laughs> you're probably going to be okay. Um, I was really, excuse me, really excited to see him, um, uh, Jose Barrios doing the thing that made him, that makes him good. Uh, it really felt like, he um, lost his command uh, quite a bit for the for for the last kind of handful of starts. Um, you know, hit around is one thing, but it just that was one thing. I, I actually Jonah, who I was talking about earlier, playing baseball with, we talked about it a few times, like on text messages and stuff. Just like sometimes it really felt like Jose Brios did not have a lot of command of his pitches, and while it, it it's it's almost like the worst kind of way to be uh, to 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 echo what you said, which is. You're in the zone, but you're not commanding your pitches to good parts of the zone. So something you're trying to throw to the corner, suddenly you're missing and it's like up and, you know, in or up and on the inner half where it's going to get hit. And, and, uh, I obviously today, uh, Barrios did a great job of, of pitching, you know, to those corners and, and to be being really aggressive and getting swings and misses and getting that, um, Again, talking about the the similarities between he and Alec Manoa, which is getting that uh, kind of front hip two seamer to to left handed batters, where they give up on it because they think it's going to be inside. And he was he was getting that call from uh, home plate umpire Phil Cousy um, quite a few times, and you know a couple a couple maybe looked on the TV camera like they were a little bit inside, and but he was. That, that corner was consistently there from the ump. So there's no reason not to go to it. And that's a, that's a really important pitch because it can, it, it, it puts a thought in their head. And then he can, when he's commanding his changeup, which I don't remember him throwing too many great changeups today, but I don't think he really needed it. He had a good fastball and he was able to, to get a lot of swings and misses with his fastball as well as getting those kind of freeze me, uh, two seamers on the inside half, which is, uh, which is huge for him and, and huge for anyone. And, uh, you know, you just can't say enough about, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, especially after the delay, when he came back out 
something that we've seen, you know, more from the beginning of the season, but every inning after like the fifth that a guy like Barrios goes out and pitches and is able to finish, you start to be, you start, you're able then to like kind of knock some names off the list. Like, okay, if you're the Blue Jays, you don't, now you're not having to worry about, you know, are we going to have to use this guy or this guy today? You start to just really be able to, to, to winnow down the list of, of guys you're going to lean into. So then if the game does go long, uh, for example, or or if you do have to start to r- start running through pitchers more frequently, I think we saw that with the with Texas or sorry Detroit a little bit today, where they kind of ran out of guys. They've got a lot of you know really interesting relievers on that in that bullpen, but they kind of ran, the next thing you know they're relying on on Dare Collin to get a bunch of outs, which I do not recommend. Right. Uh, and so all the games have been so close that they've been mm-hmm. using their best guys because mm-hmm. every game has been winnable late because the blue jays are only scoring one or two runs like cisnero i swear he and vlad have faced like a dozen they faced each other a dozen times in the last you know 10 days same with gregory soto i'm so tired of saying his name and i'm all the only 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 good thing about it now is that i do definitely will not ever call him juan again as i know for sure now having watched him pitch like 10 times in two weeks (laughs) gregory soto is gregory and juan soto is uh is a whole other thing but uh yeah obviously a great start from 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 barrios um then the pete walker special as you as you kind of uh, referred to and i think that uh, the stripling thing um you know less is more you know, a little bit of simplicity and i think that especially with a guy like barrios who is obviously very athletic uh, we saw him make a nice, couple of nice plays off coming off the mound he made a great play hopping off the mound and and making a, a strong throw to to get robbie grossman uh, kind of leaning off second base uh, less is more and strip it down and let that athleticism kind of carry them through a more simplified and a uh, little fewer moving parts i think and it's you know maybe it's like stripling like you said where that's the sort of thing that walker would have honed in on early on like we gotta we gotta get a couple bad starts we're gonna fix them fix that of him and get him get him off of that one we'll be right back with more spin rate but first check this out Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I mentioned Alec Manoa, who uh, also had a great start on Saturday. Um, just a, a, his great season continues. It's uh, I don't think any. I mean, I I know I didn't. I you can have high hopes. The highest hopes any of us could have had coming into the season. I think. Do what do you say? Is it fair to say that Alec Manoa has surpassed those those high hopes? I think so. I mean. I, I don't know the the I, I think actually hopes were pretty high because he had such a great spring training that um, I think a lot of people were hoping that he was going to be as dominant um, in the major leagues as he was in spring training. But of course, like um, you know, if you watch enough baseball, that that might not be the case. And spring 
can be very deceiving. And there was probably from my end, some question marks just because um, he really didn't have that much experience pitching in like professional baseball. Like he was drafted uh, only a couple years ago and he was um, in pro ball, I guess in 2019 for a short season in Vancouver. And then obviously missed 2020 was at the alternate site. So had sort of um, replication baseball, but not quite the same. And then he started, mm-hmm. started the year in AAA and really only had a handful of starts before he was called up and, um, you know, good on the Blue Jays front office for just like recognizing that he was the type of pitcher that could handle that, like could handle the um, stage, could handle the pressure. Um, he's, and I, I think that's probably, um, I don't know how unique it is, but I think that not every pitcher can do that. Like not every pitcher can confidently go to the major leagues and learn there and make some mistakes there, but not let it sort of um, derail their d- development or, you know, like in, in Alec Manoa, I've been really impressed with just his attitude. I think like just the way that he's almost gotten stronger, I guess, throughout the year. And he's really, even when he's had a few, um, and really it's been only a couple, like not great or so, so starts here and there, but almost every time he's really bounced back from it. Like I'm thinking back to um, the Washington nationals game, which obviously now we know in hindsight that there were some personal um, issues happening there. Um, Cause right after he went on the bereavement list and he said his, I think it was his grandfather who passed away. And so, um, but the two starts, I believe it's just two starts since then he's been excellent. Like he's completely, um, you know, bounced back from that. And he really seems to be, I don't think that he'll win rookie of the year just because I think there's other candidates that have been just playing in the majors a little bit longer and I think um Randy Rosarena even though it's kind of weird that he's a rookie um but the rules are the rules and he's eligible for it and I do think he I haven't looked at his numbers like lately but last time I checked he was the favorite to win rookie of the year and it seems like his he's been having a good season um and so even though it feels kind of weird that he's winning it because like he already had his breakout last season but I don't know the the service time rules are what they are so but yeah no I think you're right that Alec Manoa has probably exceeded expectations even people that were like really really high on him and really hoping um that he would come and be a difference maker I don't know that they would necessarily have said um you know truthfully that they totally believed that he would that was just like their hope and um I really think that he's kind of answered those hopes and and he's really impressed um just with just with rising to the occasion um and he seems to um, you know, look like he's really going to be a big part of this Blue Jays rotation um, for the future. I I think that I agree very much with what you've just said. Number one, which is that you could be a pie in the sky, like, you know, Blue Jays tattoo on the inside of your forearm kind of person. And you were like, Alec Manoa is going to come to the big leagues and he's going to crush it. But I don't think that you would have predicted that he would pitch this well. Like, I don't, it's not fair. It's not fair to say he's going to come to the big leagues. He's going to strike out 10 guys per nine innings. He's going to have an ERA, uh, you know, just a shade over three. He's had three bad starts in the big leagues, mm-hmm. right? He had um, he had one bad start, yeah, as you said, the one against the Nationals, which wasn't great. He had the one against the, the Marlins. I think that was one that he got tossed, wasn't it? Or was that the Orioles game? <laughs> it was in the early going. And then he had, and yeah, and that's it. And that's it. Those are the only bad starts that he's had. He had a start against the Rays that wasn't great. That was one where he had a the pitch count was way up. But like he's pitched 
so well. Uh, 140 ERA plus, like that's ridiculous. That is totally ridiculous. And it's just been such a shot in the arm and it has kind of rejuvenated or, or just given the Blue Jays so many options and it has been a key to the kind of turnaround Mm -hmm. uh, where here we are at the end of August and their rotation is unquestionably the strength of the team right now. Yeah. And like, if you look at it, like coming, coming into the season, obviously the biggest question mark I think was the rotation. And you think back, like it rightly so, because back then, like Tanner Rourke was like number five starter. And, um, at the time, like Robbie Ray started the year on the injured list and he was such an unknown too. Like we didn't know that he would have this incredible Cy Young season. And so rightly so, like starting pitching was a huge question mark, but I mean, I'm going to say like by May, and I think the two things that steadied it essentially was one, Alec Manoa coming up and joining the rotation, which I think was in May. And the other one um, was Ross Stripling kind of figuring it out and being a fairly, um, you know, respectable number four or five, whatever, whatever you want to slot him in, just back end starter. Like, and that was, I believe that was like May or early June when he sorted himself out. Mm-hmm. can't remember exact date but like those are two events to me that sort of really steady the rotation and obviously there's been some ups and downs like Stephen Matz kind of had a rough patch in there where he uh obviously missed time because he got COVID and then he came back and he's needed some time to get his rhythm again but if you look at his numbers he had a really good month of August um couple you know he had a really good start that was kind of wasted a little a few days ago um but he's been pitching well obviously Robbie Ray has been a star Ryu's had you know maybe some of the most up and down season of some of the starters maybe not the most but he certainly had his ups and downs um this season and um but you know he's more or less still reliable I mean um he's gonna give you more often than not a good outing. And yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think, you know, at this very moment as we're recording, yeah, starting pitching is the team's strength. I would still ultimately say that this team is going to succeed if the offense is the strength. I don't think that um, this is a team that's necessarily going to be built around um, starting pitching, leading them to the postseason. Because like I said, um, yes, Robbie Ray has been reliable, but you're also um, relying on other guys that have had some ups and downs. And we just talked about Alec Minow and he's been, he's been really great, but he's also still a rookie. And so you never know, like you can have a bump here and a bump there. And so um, at the moment, starting pitching has been excellent. Um, but I mean, the offense needs to wake up a little bit because they're not going to, they're not going to keep winning these, um one run games i mean maybe they can against a team like baltimore although the baltimore orioles yes they're bad but they actually hit pretty decently and they do hit lefties pretty decently and the blue jays are sending three lefties up against the orioles so i'm predicting the blue jays are going to have to score more than two runs to win those games um or win that series um and uh maybe that will lead us into our next segment if we're going to talk about the offense uh, we could. Can we talk also? Okay, two two things. Well, a few different things. Okay. Uh, the Rays went eighteen and one against the Orioles this year. That is sickening. That is truly, <laughs> truly sickening. Um, I think that the Blue yeah the if the Blue Jays expect to 
the starting pitching could you you could have you know five Pedro Martinez's in the Blue Jays rotation if the offense doesn't score they're not going to be a good team <laughs> the offense is going to be a strength of the team um the timing of some slumps and the timing of some maybe guys getting a little bit figured out or or the I also think that that um a lot of players are hitting the wall. I think that this season is proving to be very long for a lot of people who maybe weren't quite ready. And the Blue Jays fans can see that first and foremost with some of the, you know, the higher profile guys in their lineup, but it's not unique across baseball. There are a lot of players I think that are dragging ass. There's a lot of pitchers I think that are, that are really struggling. So for the Blue Jays to have their starting pitching coming on as it is, is such a boon. Maybe that's another big advantage of Alec Manoa in that he has a relatively quote unquote virgin arm in that he hasn't pitched that much professionally and that he only made those, the, the handful of triple a starts before coming to the big leagues so you know a big guy like that who's thrown tons of innings thrown lots of pitches in the sec hopefully you can continue to ride him out because one other thing i wanted to talk about so his numbers is his like baseball card numbers are really good you know he's got way more walks and strikeouts his opponent you know he's his uh his whip is really low but then you look at his stack cast numbers and it's like he is in like the king of soft velocity he doesn't give up, doesn't get hit hard or he, he, he uh, on balance. He's hard to square up. He also misses bats. He gets guys to chase out of the zone. Like that's what a good pitcher looks like. That's what a good, you know, like above average pitcher looks like. He doesn't quite throw as hard as maybe, uh, it was expected or hoped or, or, or we saw. But at the same time, if he's able to, to kind of add and subtract and then, and then prolong his outings and prolong his season by not throwing, trying to throw 96 all the time. Um, that's a pretty good thing, but we can, I think, and, and we shall, uh, move on to talk a little bit about the, the, about the offense. Um, I think that the outfield is a good, is a good example of kind of like what's going on with the offense in terms of they're just trying stuff out right now. Charlie Montoyo and, and the front office bringing in Gerard Dyson kind of on a whim, uh, playing Josh Palacios in center field. Um, a lot of this starts from the fact that A, George Springer is hurt and not ready to come back or wasn't ready to come back for this weekend in Detroit. Uh, but also just the state of affairs when it comes to Randall Gritchuk, who was having a great season and then was having a Randall Gritchuk season and has now somehow slipped below that Randall Gritchuk threshold. And now he's having like a Kevin Pillar season, which is like not going to fly. So I'm, I, I, the outfield is a real puzzle right now. I mean, I don't know what or why. Whatever question it is you're asking, I don't think that Gerard Dyson is the answer to it, unless it's like, who's the best guy we can bring in to be a pinch runner? Gerard Dyson is old. He is not as fast as maybe some of the folks who... He's not as fast as, 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 it, as his reputation would suggest in terms of sprint speed and stuff, because he's an older guy. I'm sure he's a good base runner. He did not know what was going on in his one base, run, you know, base <laughs> running opportunity. He was... Totally wrong-footed there. Um, uh, uh, here, what, was that on? Was that today? Yes. I, yeah, yeah. Just like not sure what to make of Derek Holland. Didn't get a good read on a on a ball that was dumped into center field. Uh, not a great first impression. That's not a representative of who he is, of course. But uh, I think that's a bit of a a bit of a sign, like that that the Blue Jays are they're they're trying stuff because it's it's become a little bit untenable with Randall Gritchick playing every day right now. Yeah, and like the Dyson thing to me is more so like somewhat of late game protection if you are using George Springer and he's back and he hit he gets on base in the eighth or the ninth and you don't want him 
all out sprinting. Maybe you want a pinch runner that can also slot into center field as like a defensive replacement for the late innings as well. So like to me, it's just protection um, more so for like Springer specifically um, for running and for playing. You don't want him diving necessarily in the eighth or ninth inning, especially if a game is, uh, you know, if they have a substantial lead or or if they're losing by a lot, like you don't want George Springer to get hurt anymore. Um, and so to me, like that is kind of the move, like why that move was made. But to your point, I mean, I wonder, and I asked this today, and I mean, it's a hard question to sort of answer, but like, can the addition of George Springer at the top of the lineup just go ahead and spark this lineup? Like, is that going to, is that like to your point, like if some of these guys are hitting a wall, and we should, I mean, I should plug because I read it. Mike Wilner of the Toronto Star, friend of the podcast, had an article this week because he was, this weekend, he was in Detroit. And I guess Dante Bichette um, has joined the team, um, is going to be with the team for the final month here. And Mike Wilner talked to Dante. And, you know, Dante Bichette had some interesting comments about how he feels like this team, um, some of the young guys, he used, he used the phrase like their brains are fried. And it's not that they are tired physically, although that is probably somewhat of a factor, but like they're young 22 year olds or 20, you know, it's not necessarily they're completely worn down physically, like they're fit individuals, but it's the mental part of it. It's the total grind of the season. Like, and, and you think about like the Blue Jays and like what they've gone through and like, I don't know that we talk enough about it and, or maybe we talk so much about it that we don't want to talk about it anymore, but like the moving, the different locations, all that kind of stuff, like did have a mental toll on them and not to say that it's going to be an excuse, but I I think honestly, like now that I've reflected on it and I maybe saw some people commenting on this and it made me think is like, I mean, the emotional high of coming home, um, I was in the stadium and it was like they were playing playoff baseball like that was just like the vibe like it was I've never really outside of the 2015-2016 playoff runs like I haven't really seen the vibe in the stadium like that ever and a lot of those players like honestly would never have played in a home ballpark that had that kind of energy and I think like that was such a high for them and they were just like riding that and then they immediately left on this like west coast road trip which is like a hard road trip like it's a time change it's uh you're playing late your body clock's way off it's a long way to go it's a long plane ride and they just looked so sort of like listless on that road trip and I was thinking and like maybe I'm reaching here and maybe I'm making an excuse but I just found like I just would find myself if you're on this like emotional high and then you have to like do this tough trip and you're not playing as well on this trip and then things are kind of spiraling and then your best player gets hurt and like just that whole thing would have been such a roller coaster of emotions and you're playing through a 162 season for the first time and your body is tired and you're struggling and you're trying to make up for the fact that your offense isn't all of a sudden isn't hidden anymore and like to me, like I can wrap my mind around how some players would just be mentally exhausted. And I think what is going to be interesting to watch is like, can they get out of that funk? I think sometimes they talk about how August can be a bit of a drag in the season, but if you're playing for something and you have these meaningful games in September, you know, maybe that can give some guys like you kind of, um, can work through it or you push through it or you find a new level or whatever want to whatever sports cliche you want to use um you you can do it in September if you're playing for meaningful games so to me like that's going to be interesting like can the Blue Jays wake up can Springer kind of ignite them um 
is it going to take one or two games where they um, just have a big inning here and there to kind of snap out of it and, and, you know, get a little closer in the race. I don't know, but um, to your point about them just kind of being exhausted, like I think there's some, there's definitely some truth to that. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I think there were some good signs from the offense as a whole, um, getting away from the outfield thing, because obviously the outfield thing did not quite work out. Um, Gerard Dyson has uh, graded as an above-average uh, outfielder his whole career, including this season, you know, as a, in terms of it's above average, he can definitely go and get it. I don't think anyone's going to take that away from him. And I, you know, he has a seven, his, he ranks in speed in the 73rd percentile this year, which is like still fast, right? And like the Blue Jays don't have very many fast players. You have to keep in mind. No, the <laughs> fastest were, player they have is, is Teoscar Hernandez, yes. who is like a, who is a sneaky fast player. And he uses that speed to make up for the fact of his kind of adventurous family circus routes in the outfield. But Gerard Dyson is a, is a more than competent outfielder and a guy who is a good base runner, who is not quite maybe the burner that we might think about him as, but obviously a very uh, talented base runner who's stolen a lot of big bases for the accursed uh, Kansas City Royals. But I think that from a process perspective, I mean, this is the old, in the old days, this is when they would start to be really popping those greenies, right? Having a little bit of a pep in your step, put something in your coffee in the morning because these are the, these are the dog days out in the out in the heat, um, trying to get through to the September where the weather gets better and you could see the end in, in sight. But from Blue Jays perspective, like we saw Boba Shett hit opposite field home run, uh, here to start the game on Sunday, which we, you and I spoke about, uh, last time we spoke when we were talking about the home field, the way stuff and, one of the, one of the things that I know that I've really been impressed with has been Bobichet's power to the opposite field and that right right center field um, uh, spot in particular. But to see him go back over there is really encouraging. He had three hits um, on on Sunday. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who you know drew a couple of big walks, but also had a really really good at bat against. Um, it might have been uh, Cisneros, uh, who 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 had set him up with a fastball up in the zone and and. And uh, Vlad fouled one off, and then I thought he was set up for a curve uh, or a breaking ball away. And then I 
from so that misses me watching it. I'm thinking he set up for the for the breaking ball on this pitch with two strikes, and then Vlad Swing suggested that he was thinking the same thing, that he was like looking for that curveball, but he had the presence of mind and the and the approach, physical approach. And I know Joe Siddle was talking about this on the broadcast about he was doing stuff with his hands when he was in between, like trying to coach himself into staying behind the ball, stay inside the ball, and and use the whole field. So. When Vlad was up there, and I think, again, this is me, thinking that he was looking for a breaking ball on the outside half, but he got a fastball, but he was still able to like shoot it like hard on the right hand, on the right side for a single. I think that's a great sign. And then come Sunday, he hit another missile, like 116 and a half miles an hour, that if it hadn't been two steps away from the shortstop, it would have gone straight through him. Uh, but again, good, good signs. Not as good as hitting the ball over the fence. But still, good signs for the for the, those key members of the offense. And the other thing, the thing we haven't talked about that that I didn't write down on our little list uh, is Alejandro Kirk is much uh, as we discussed in depth on Thursday um, when you and I spoke previously. But hitting cleanup, hitting fifth, and DHing like mm-hmm. he had a home run this weekend, uh, drew a couple walks, hit a couple balls hard. Uh, Alejandro Kirk's going to figure in prominently into this offense, I think, for the rest of this season and uh, probably the seasons to come because that lad can swing it. Yeah. And he looks good behind the plate. I mean, obviously he loves Robbie Ray, but I thought he did a really good job on Saturday behind the plate. Did a really nice job framing some pitches, really getting down low. I think the one knee thing is kind of behind him in terms of when he uses it, when he applies it. Um, the, a lot of commentary types or reddity types were very critical of they're obviously critical of his physical attributes his build um i don't think he's that bad a catcher that it, that he needs to like relearn the position which is how some folks kind of phrased it but uh, uh alejandro kirk uh, had a, has had a great had a great weekend series and he's going to have a lot of continue to have great series because he can really hit and they're going to give him it looks like a lot of chances to do exactly that I think so, because I also think Danny Jansen is coming back in a matter of days as we get closer to September 1st. I would be um, I would be expecting that we're going to see him called up on September 1st, as well as potentially a tall reliever. I don't know which tall reliever, but one of them. Um, and, you know, one thing that's been – I has not gone under the radar, but it's been kind of striking is that – Teoscar Hernandez for the first half of this month was the hottest hitter on the Blue Jays and the hottest hitter in the American League. And I don't know what's happened to him. I mean, he's, you know, not not looked right at the plate lately. And it's, you know, I mean, obviously he wasn't going to be like a 400 hitter for the whole month, but I'm not sure that he had like, and they were saying it on the broadcast, like he hadn't driven in a run in nine games or something like that. They said on the broadcast he hit home runs in four straight games, and then the fourth of those home runs was the last run that he drove in, however many. And then he's been like three for forty or something like that since. Which, you know, that's 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 baseball when you really get down to it. In that you have a crazy stretch where you hit everything, and then you have another stretch where you don't hit everything, and then you start to zoom out a little bit. Like the big thing I think with baseball that it's so easy to forget is that you always need to zoom out, zoom out, and, and take don't take this chunk as being the reality just as the chunk that preceded it isn't reality. Obviously those two things will start to weigh out and, and uh, you know, Teoscar is not a, you know, 100 or worse hitter. He's a 300 hitter. 
He's become a 300 hitter in the big leagues. He still doesn't, he doesn't walk a ton and he still strikes out quite a bit, but he makes a ton of hard contact. He has a ton of power. He's, you know, while it's so easy and, and, and fun to start to think like, what's it going to cost to give, extend Teoscar Hernandez and like sign him forever. He's the new Jose Bautista. Like, not necessarily the case, obviously, but he, he, he has become a great hitter. Just the fact that he's had a, this rough stretch doesn't mean he's not the guy that he's been for the last, two calendar years he can hit mm-hmm. he can hit and he just isn't doing it right now um charlie montoyo again sort of toying with the lineup a little bit moving guys around um there's uh, one thing i've seen a lot of people talk about recently and it's even with the emergence of kirk is what a difference a good left-handed bat um would make in this thing we've, we, we've said this a lot the blue jays hitters are so good that you know george springer is not a guy you worry about hitting about his platoon splits you don't worry about vlad's platoon splits you know that Bo is who is Bo is Bo is who Bo is. He's going to hit everybody when he can. He's going to hit nobody when he can't. Um, but like a nice left-handed, a nice tall outfielder, left-handed hitter, boy, he would look real good in the lineup right now. <laughs> Guy who like strikes out a ton, walks a ton, but hits a ton of home runs. Uh, shout out to your or our colleague Lindsay Adler wrote a terrific story about Joey Gallo uh, this past week in the athletic and if you haven't read it i I recommend you go over check it out seems like a guy who gets it really interesting about him again being who he is and and coming to grips with the fact that he's like this is who i am i strike out a shit ton i hit the ball to the moon i'm just going to do that and became a very very good player in the process instead of trying to be something that he 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 couldn't be trying to be what he thought he needed to be he's like i'm going to hit 190 or 210 and i'm but it's going to be fine um and it is but boy, yeah, that that's a guy that would look better. And and I saw some people saying like this: the Blue Jays are really missing Kevin Biggio, and which uh, that that's like a real like high school crush kind of thing. Like uh, it's you remember the, the idealized version of this person, not uh, not really what that what that reality was. And yeah, he's been hurt this year, but he was also real bad this year. And while you don't want to, nobody wants to, to, to extract the difference between the two. Um, if nothing else, he just gives another bit, a bit of another look. But, uh, yeah, the offense, yeah, that said, the Lugans won two games this weekend. They scored what, like five runs in the last two games? Uh, yeah. they are not scoring a lot of runs. It is still mighty grim uh, in a lot of ways. The thing is, like, it's encouraging, I think, because you were getting at this, that, like, at least the hits are coming. Like, because I think before they just weren't even hitting, you know? Like, they, were just, they weren't scoring and they weren't hitting. Like, Vlad was slumping and they were slumping really hard, all of them at the same time. Um, and now that at least you see some guys making some solid contact. You see some guys getting on base. The one thing is, like, they're not doing is they're not getting opportune hits like they're not getting hits when they have guys in scoring position and they're not getting that like one big hit um that gives them an assurance run or like even today it was like that play i guess in the ninth where like Bo um advanced and then he was thrown out on a tioscar uh single i think or like fielder's choice i guess and then mm-hmm. the next batter came up was it kirk and like mm-hmm. and he hit one to the outfield, which obviously would have scored Bichette from second, but Bichette wasn't on base anymore because he got caught up in that sort of like, you know, hesitation um, between bases and then, then the rundown. And it was like, that just felt so, you know, August, 2021 blue Jays where they are late August, 2021 blue Jays were like, they finally sort of would have got a, a hit um, with a runner in scoring position, but that 
Rodner in scoring position was no longer in scoring position because he got thrown out. Um, it was just, I mean, they won the game anyway, so it doesn't matter. And Tim, shout out Tim Meza got his first major league save, um, four out save. Um, so, you know, no harm, no foul, but it just kind of was funny to me. It's like, if, if they could, if the offense is sparked a little bit from these two close wins and then they are facing the Orioles and the Orioles can't figure, if can't, if the Orioles can't solve this slump, this runners and scoring position slump, I don't know what will. Because after that, they face the A's and then the Yankees. So those are teams that you want to be out of your slump when you're facing them. Yeah, I would say that's, that is that is safe to say. The Blue Jays uh, scored six runs in three games against the Detroit Tigers, and they won two of those games. The If I told you that the team that has hit the most home runs in the American League would have 12 hits on Saturday – would you assume they would have scored more or fewer than three runs? One of them was as a result of the automatic runner being plunked out there on second base and then being able to score on a bloop that landed in front of the left fielder. It's uh, it's really uh, just put a magnifying glass, I think, that game, Saturday's game in particular, where just so many hits and so many opportunities and they just – it's – it's. I, I think that that's that's the thing that the the home runs have have dried up, right? That's there's no there's no more better shortcut to uh, to scoring runs than hitting it over the fence. And the Blue Jays, in addition, by not hitting the ball over the fence, they then put all that extra pressure on their offense to string hits together, which they're not really capable of doing right now. Um, when they're not hitting home runs in August, they are in the middle of the pack. They've hit 33 home runs in August, um, which I think, I don't know if that includes today. That might have been coming into today. But that's that's outside of who they have been this season. So if you don't hit the ball over the fence, you got to string hits together. The Blue Jays are just doing half of that or not just not able to string hits, having some weird, odd base running things. And then they've got all the fucking bunts. And, and then even today, they had the bases loaded with nobody out and didn't score, mm-hmm. which is uh, suboptimal suboptimal in terms of outcomes but uh this is uh when it needs to kind of get right as you said they've got to face the um they got to face the orioles it would be great from blue jays perspective to um to get right to get healthy and, and to kind of get back on track against the orioles back at home moving coming back to the rogers center one thing we didn't talk we haven't talked a little bit about it maybe it's Maybe it's in bad taste, but to talk about the way that Saturday's game or Friday night's game ended with Josh, Josh Palacios in center field diving for that ball, um, costing the Blue Jays a run on the inside of the park home run. And then even, uh, I saw a bunch of people talking about this to me in, in particular it was Corey Dickerson, um, mm. suddenly can't throw the baseball at all. He, he has just really struggled <laughs> to throw the ball. So that play, that Josh Palacios play. So a couple of different times, Corey Dickerson has definitely tried to like throw the ball off balance, like trying to be like an infielder and just made some really bad throws. And, and again, that you have to believe that Josh, the, the Gerard Dyson thing was in the works before that one play on Friday night. But oh, at the same happened, time, it happened before. Sorry? It did. Did they sign him Friday and they called him up Saturday? Well, it wasn't like even calling him up. It was just he had to arrive. Like he had to get to Detroit. Yeah, but they, okay. they, they picked him up on waivers on Friday 
early in the day, like good before the game. Yes, for sure. That's good. Okay, because because at the same time, I can imagine like uh, like Ross Atkins slamming his phone down, and be like, "Get me Duran Jason's fucking agent on the phone. <laughs> I've had enough. I need an outfielder." Because it uh, it's not been a strength this season. The outfield defense, <laughs> and again, I'm someone who is very um, apologetic. Uh, I'm happy to make excuses for Randall Gritchick. I think he's a fine outfielder. I don't think he's been the problem, but they're definitely not like taking any, saving themselves any outs out there in the outfield. No. Which we talked about, but that's not about the offense. Caitlin, what do you got coming up this week? Oh, I wanted to ask you at the beginning of this podcast, you said you had reason for optimism about the Blue Jays. Is there a specific reason you're optimistic or is it just talk? Were you just talking about, like the fact that they hit a little bit today and got two two wins out of three, and I think the starting pitching is is a reason for optimism. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't think that there's any of all the performers of all the the guys in the rotation. Maybe like Stephen Matz is kind of the one that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because he has been so good. The guy that you and I were kind of penciling on as the guy on the outs, maybe. Um, uh, or, you know, with Matts or, or Stripling, um, with Matt Stripling before he went down, uh, you know, obviously getting a great performance like that out of uh, Jose Barrios is so huge, but I think that that's a reason for optimism. I think that, that the Blue Jays are like absolutely playing with the regression gods this year. So for the first, however long it was, Oh, look at the run differential. Look at the run differential. It's gonna, it's gonna catch up. They're going to go on a run. And now it's like, they've taken that, that, <laughs> the run differential thing to it's like to its logical conclusion in terms of just being like oh yeah well watch us we can't even hit at all with runners in scoring <laughs> position we we will defy the law the the law of averages by just refusing to do anything that uh that resembles competency uh in those important situations the run differential conversation is definitely quieted down as they're not quite in the same um league as some of the, uh, as where they were you know losing a ton of games losing every series for a month will do that for you but i just the offense is going to score george springer or otherwise these this team is going to score they're going to hit home runs in bunches again um if it's because dante bichette is around to give them a new voice instead of them having the Charlie Brown like wah, 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 when some when when Guillermo Martinez or whoever else is talking to them or just when they're talking to each other when they're burned out I think uh, you know they'll hit home runs and as soon as they start hitting home runs again they're going to start winning some more games especially against bad teams uh, it's just a matter of can they can they score right like can they can they do that against the Yankees obviously the Yankees have had some great pitching and the Yankees bullpen is again the Yankees bullpen and. Oakland is uh, is struggling a little bit, so maybe it's a good time for the Blue Jays to catch them. But I think there's reason for optimism, mostly because it can't get worse than it was for the last like four weeks. It's like rock bottom for the season. It's like it's like how bad can a good team play? Like, what is the difference between a good team and a bad team? It's like, look, you watch the Blue Jays, you see a good team playing badly. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that they like played that badly, like as a whole. Like, it feels like. They weren't hitting. Um, they were pitching really well. Bullpen was pitching well. Starting pitching was pitching well. Defensively, it's more been like one really costly mistake that's lost some games. Like if you think, obviously, the Palacios game that we talked about, 
Um, but the week before, this last Sunday, um, where I'm sure everyone today was holding their breath as the final ball, ground ball bounced over to Marcus Simeon and he had to make a short throw to first base. And, uh, but you know, a week ago when that happened, it was that whole game was a kind of a tight affair as well. And the Blue Jays played really well. And then they just made a mistake at the wrong time. And obviously they couldn't score an extra innings. And so to me, like there's, you know, there's been some bad games. There's been some questionable, like, managerial decisions about the bunts and all that kind of stuff. But, like, I, you know, I watched the Red Sox a couple days ago when they played that mistake-ridden game against the Rangers, and they made, like, five errors in a game. It was just, like, a totally mess. Like, the Blue Jays have not played a game where they have had, like, five errors and they've just been booting the ball around. Like, it's just been, like, costly mistakes, really untimely mistakes. Um, all their sort of factors of the team not cl- uh, not like clicking at once, um, and that's been their undoing. Let me add my optimism, and then we can mm. end this. So, like my my Nick new favorite thing to do is just to like see who all the other teams are playing to like figure out if like the Blue Jays can you know like uh, if this could be a good opportunity for them and this I think is one of the better opportunities and I've said this before obviously when they were like playing the Detroit Tigers or whatever but um so the Red Sox are playing the Rays I believe um then this next series and the Seattle Mariners who just lost three of four to the Royals are playing are playing the Astros um who also just got killed by the Rangers but whatever um the Astros sh- should be good and um the A's are facing the uh tough Tigers so if the Tigers play as tightly as they played the Blue Jays against the A's then the A's will be in tough as well. But anyway, the Blue Jays are playing, playing the Orioles. So, like, if you looked at the schedule and thought, well, this is an opportunity where, like, the Blue Jays could win a series um, or sweep a series and, and gain three games. And some of the teams they're chasing down, like the Mariners and the A's um, and the Red Sox, could falter a little bit. Like, they're playing better teams. Um, and the Tigers, like, are not bad. I think we all kind of, like – like, they their record is probably, like – well, the Blue Jays have had a pretty good record in the second half, but like if you look at all the months, like the Tigers have been a better than 500 team since May. Um, they just had a really, really awful April um, where they won like nine games, um, but they're actually not a bad team. So um, I guess the Blue Jays would have tied the season series with the Tigers. So um, maybe that kind of tells you where they're at. But um, yeah, I think that's my reason for optimism for Blue Jays fans is that you can kind of scoreboard watch this coming week for the first three games. And there's a chance that you could be happy with that because the Blue Jays should be winning against the Orioles. And uh, there's a chance the other teams might be losing against the teams they're playing. I like that. I like that breakdown. I, I don't like um, the Rays. For the longest time, I, for this year, I've been like, the Rays are a good team with no good players. Well, now they've got a good player. Uh, Wander Franco forgot how to get out. Um, Wander Franco ha- has uh, uh, accelerated the learning curve <laughs> and has sort of like just figured it out at the big league level, and it's uh, it's bad. But, uh, yeah, the you got to hope, if you're the Blue Jays fan, that they have enough time left to take advantage of some of the things that – because by all rights, they should be – this they should be – Done. Their season should have been over. There mm-hmm. are there are a lot of different opportunities where if you were super cynical, you could have, or just exist online, you could have been like, "This is it. The season's over. That's it. The season's over." But you can't. I don't think you can say that yet. I don't think you can say the season's over because no, and the, the, the door has been left open with a dead body, keeled <laughs> over, lying. The Red Sox 
carcass. The door is getting jammed on their jugular right now against their Adam's apple, but the door is not closed and the Blue Jays may step over that carcass and, uh, and, and, and may do something really uh, exciting. I think. Yeah. The thing with the Blue Jays and all the, like all the teams that the Blue Jays are chasing, including the Blue Jays themselves are like struggling in like somewhat similar ways or just, they are not able to like close out games. Like the A's, has had issues with the bullpen um, and and they've had issues, I think scoring a little bit as well um, or taking advantage of scoring opportunities. The Red Sox bullpen is a mess right now, even though that was kind of a strength for them, at least the back end of their bullpen was a strength for them for the first half. And the Mariners have just been the Mariners all year and they've just been winning all these one run games. Um, But they like have kind of relied on these like late, late game heroics. And um, you know, they played kind of three, Three um, sort of, um, un, I don't know, okay games against the Royals and they lost because they didn't have those like late game heroics. So that is why you feel optimistic about the Blue Jays is that, you know, it seems like the AL playoff um, picture is going to come down to which team starts to win at the right time. And the Yankees are proving that they are doing that right now. And I think no one's catching the Yankees for at least that first wild card spot. I don't know if the Yankees will be able to catch the Rays for first in the East, but like they're going to make a uh, a race out of it, I think till the very end. Um, but the rest of the teams, like it's just going to come down to like, who's going to go on the run at the exact right time as the other teams struggle and and that's like honestly what's going to come down to and it could come down to the final week because i think all these teams have flaws and those flaws are being exposed down the stretch and it's just what team like can kind of overcome those flaws um and figure it out when it really matters <laughs> uh i would say and you you made this point really well just a few minutes ago that even the blue jays while their offense is obviously like really not firing all, on all cylinders. And while I said that they're a good team playing badly, the Blue Jays just need a little bit of luck. They need to get a few bounces and I think that they'll be fine. And and there's enough time that they could get a few bounces and, and be right there in the middle of it. Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me as we do every Sunday on Spin Right about the Toronto Blue Jays. You got anything any, anything else to say any uh, any any fond farewells for the for this fine week <laughs> I do not I've said you it do all not. You said you said that stay off anything east of the Don Valley Parkway might as well explode is what I think I heard you say earlier that, <laughs> Yeah right that anything west of Bathurst might as well just slide off into the ocean No Yeah I think I heard you say that Everyone at me if you want some east end recommendations I'm happy to be the east end ambassador the, the only good thing on the East End is, is Jerk King. I don't live too far from there. Bless. <laughs> Her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice. This is Spin Rate. We talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will come back to you with another one in just a few days. So thanks, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Spin Rate.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.